You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. It is wonderful. It is an exciting experience. And yes, this kind of a commitment may cost you friendships, your friends. In fact, even the members of your immediate family may harass you. But listen, we should expect this. Notice what Peter tells us and reminds us of in verse 4. In regards to these, they think it's strange, that is the unbelievers, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Have you paid the price of discipleship? Or have you held back from following Jesus' calling? You may think you could just take advantage of the perks of membership in God's kingdom without sacrifice of your own. But that's simply not possible. As Pastor Michael pointed out in today's message, when you experience the life-changing grace of Jesus and you choose to accept His love for you, You can't go on in your old way, serving self above all else. Your heart will long to serve the one who saves you. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Cost of Discipleship. If you didn't neglect the Lord in the first place, you could have avoided all of the difficulties, some of the problems, some of the trials that you're facing. Hey, listen, real life and satisfaction is only secured by living in God's will anyway. It's there where there is an absence of misery and disappointment. But to walk in the center of God's will for our lives, that our lives might be blessed, we must break with sin. Notice, let's go back to our text there in verse 3. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime, and how true this was, in doing the will of the Gentiles, or the unbelievers, when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. You know, this list, notice the way that it's recommended to us here, is abominable to God. That's the way that he perceives it. It's not tolerable by him. This may have been a part of our past life, yes, but mustn't be allowed in our present. You know, I want you to turn with me quickly, if you would, to the book of Romans in chapter 8, in verses 5 through 8, and Paul there exhorts us, so Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, For those who live according to the flesh 
set their minds on the things of the flesh. But that's not you and me. That's prior to our making a decision for uh, Christ. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, that's you and, and me. For to be carnally minded is death, that's the result. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity or hostile. There's a deep-rooted hatred in spiritual things that is in the carnal mind. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so gang, please, make certain that all sin is forsaken and dealt with, and that you're following Jesus as closely as you possibly can. Indeed, yes, it is costly to follow Jesus, but that's the cost of discipleship. But it is wonderful. It is an exciting experience. And yes, this kind of a commitment may cost you friendships, your friends, in fact, even the members of your immediate family may harass you. But listen, we should expect this. Notice what Peter tells us and reminds us of in verse 4. In regards to these, they think it's strange, that is the unbelievers, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. So listen, don't be disturbed by their scoffing, being made fun of, you know, all of the criticism. Don't be deterred from faithful service to God. Don't drift with the crowd. Seek to fit in. Don't be ashamed to belong to Christ. Have you paid this price? That is the cost of discipleship. Have you committed yourself completely to him? Is he the Lord of your life? And yes, it's going to cost you. Well, if not, just simply yield to him now. Don't let anything keep him out of your life and receiving from him his best. Verses 7 through 11. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom being belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so notice here, let's go back to our text. Peter declares the end of all things is at hand. Now, this was never so true as it is at this moment. Considering purely this exhortation in relationship to uh, time. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In the book of Romans, in chapter 13, in verse 11, Paul tells us there, and do this, and he's referring to the things that preceded this particular verse of Scripture as it relates to the second coming, make sure that all of these things are in place in the life of a believer, and do this knowing for the time to awake out of sleep 
For now our salvation is nearer than we first believe. And how true this is. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. Considered purely in relationship to time. So, gang, things are winding down. Prophecies depicting the last days have either been fulfilled or are about to come to pass. Jesus is coming back for his church soon. Now, before we go on and treat this text of Scripture, I think it would serve us well to remind ourselves once again that here in this epistle, particularly in this section of the epistle, Peter is writing to persecuted uh, believers who have been suffering at the hands of ruthless, godless men. And so in writing these exhortations, he means to inject some hope into their downcast spirits. I mean, there's nothing more encouraging to sense the soon return of Jesus, that Jesus is coming back for us. In fact, that's the great uh, cure-all, because when Jesus comes back again, there's not going to be any more pain. There's not going to be any more sorrow. There's not going to be any more suffering or persecution. There's not going to be any more uh, sickness when Jesus comes back again for his church. Now, because of Peter's anticipation of this event, the apostle emphasizes some of the duties of believers who share the scriptural view of the blessed hope. And that's the way that Christ's second coming is referred to in the Bible as the blessed hope. Now remember, while Jesus was here upon the earth, he spoke of certain signs that would characterize the last days. And when he mentioned those things, also I would remind you that Peter was present. For example, Luke's Gospel in chapter uh, 21, in verse 26, there Jesus tells us that men's hearts would be failing them for fear and the expectation of these things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So, let me break this down for you. First of all, Peter deals with the fear sign, which characterizes and marks the last days. The fear sign. So that's our first point. Notice here, in that text, Jesus said that men's hearts would be failing them for fear. And I want you to think about the days in which we live, present times, the torment of fear that marks our own present age. People are groping in every direction for possible solutions to our world problems. What are some of those world problems? Well, how about the pandemic? That's a big one. We've been dealing with it now for almost two years. Certain countries, like, for example, the things that are going on in Afghanistan or Haiti, or Syria, the Middle East, uh, among other issues that we're dealing with, global uh, warming. How about that certain uh, leaders have committed uh, certain war crimes, ethnic cleansing, genocide. And listen, for reasons like this, we've, dev uh, we've de devised the United uh, Nations with the hope that it would affect a miracle and bring about a peace, that they would uh, be able to bring peace among uh, men, only to discover it is proved impotent to perform such a miracle. Because, gang, it, it never will. Why? Because there's only one plan for peace, true peace, God's peace, and it's found in the Prince of Peace, 
who is God's son, Jesus Christ. And it's only going to take place when Jesus returns again to the earth. Yes, the United Nations has its merits. It's brought nations closer uh, together. It's assisted in promoting understanding. But beyond this, there is no answer but Jesus. Now, another example of this rampant uh, fear that characterizes the day in which we live. There's something desperately wrong with some of our children today. They're frightened. They're scared. They're fearful. They've lost the sense of reason and purpose and the sanctity of life. Their legacy is violence, hopelessness. And how have we responded to all of this? Well, get them into therapy. Put them on mood enhancers. No, the answer is that they need to be introduced to the God of hope. To know that there is someone there for them. And who is that someone? It is Jesus. So, what is God's answer for fear? Are we to be alarmed, troubled by the uncertainties of our age? Well, what does Peter tell us? Go back to verse 7. He says, Be therefore serious, or I like the King James Version. I prefer the King James Version. It says, Be therefore sober. That is, sober-minded. In other words, have a sound uh, mind. Don't be frightened. Don't allow fear to grip your heart. Do not allow yourself to become distraught and disturbed by fear of any kind. Listen to what James said in his epistle in chapter 5 and verse 8. He says, Be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. That is, trust in the Lord, rest in Him, because God is still upon the throne. And He's not allowing anything to take place except what He chooses to allow to take uh, place. You know, there's this old hymn that reminds us of this. It goes like this. This is my Father's world. Oh, let me never forget Though the wrong seem off so strong, God is the ruler yet. And I concur. I absolutely agree. God is on the throne. Now, the second thing that I want to draw your attention to uh, concerning the last days and the way that we are to respond to the fact that we are living in the last days. Notice here, this becomes our second point. Peter goes on and urges God's people to watch unto prayer. So that's our second point. Verse 7, he says and exhorts us, watch unto prayer. Now, why did he say that? Why did he exhort his listeners uh, to pray? Well, probably this exhortation was used to correct what had been going on. You see, the people that he was writing to were guilty of prayerlessness. They failed to use this mighty resource that God has made available to all of his kids. And what a terrible sin this is. It weakens the power of the church and its effectiveness. Gang, listen, the New Testament church, as is described for us in the book of Acts, found itself through prayer. It realized its identity through prayer. The church in Acts was an effective praying church. So instead of watching and praying, like the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, they were sleeping, while the devil hoodwinks the world into thinking the Bible is a book of fables, salvation is unnecessary, and the church is meaningless. Listen, don't be like some Christians 
who are failing to call on God through prayer for the power to resist the wiles and the deceptions of the devil. We come against him through prayer. Please remember that. It's a mighty weapon used to the pulling down of strongholds. We need to seize every opportunity to pray. We need to pray to God that he might heal our land. We need to cry to God for others' individual salvation. And so prayerlessness is another mark of the end of the age. Don't be deceived. Don't be a casualty. Don't be caught off guard. Watch unto a prayer. Now, another sign of Christ's coming is an increasing intensity of the sin of hatred. And I think of all of the world wars that are going on right at the very present uh, time. And uh, here's a cross-reference for you. Jesus himself said in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 24, in verses 6 and uh, 7, the first part of verse 7, And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against uh, kingdom. And once again, I think about all of the wars, nation against nation, uh, these world wars that are taking place at the very present uh, time. Well, here's the worst uh, tragedy in all of this, that the same spirit, if allowed, would find its way into God's church and the hearts of God's people. And so as a protective measure against this, notice Peter pleads that they exhibit a love for one another, a forgiving love. Notice there in verses 8 and 9, which does not allow Christians to bear a grudge against one another. And notice he also adds, it covers a multitude of sins. Notice there in verse 9, he also adds that we are to love without grumbling or grudging, a hospital desire truly to forgive. Now, at this point, someone may be thinking, okay, this is the instruction. I know I'm supposed to obey God, and, and um, okay, you know, I've been commanded by God, I know, uh, to forgive. I'll love them, but do I really have to like them? Hey, listen, we are the possessors of God's love. We're to forgive in such a way as to be kindly considerate in every possible dealing with any offender, those who have offended us. God's strength enables us to forgive and forget. Now that brings us to our fourth point, another sure telltale sign that we are living in the last days, and that is, and this is our fourth point, the selfishness sign. In 2 Timothy, let me give you a cross-reference for this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Paul tells us there, writing to young Timothy, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. So here's the cure. We need to realize that everything that we have comes from him, belongs to him. Notice there in verse uh, 10. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a gift, and where does that gift come from? Come from God. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So we just this is the cure all. 
for selfishness. We need to realize everything that we have, everything that we've received has come from God. He has showered his all-availing grace upon us, and thus we should unreservedly reveal it in our attitudes towards other people, ministering to them the grace of God with no thought of self. Now, that brings us to our fifth and our final uh, point this evening, the last indication that we're living in the last days, and that is the apostasy uh, sign. That is, the falling away. In other words, many Christians in the last days would turn their backs upon God. They would fall away. They would go back to worldly things and worldly pursuits. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. For example, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 1, Paul tells us, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some would depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of uh, demons. 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse 3, tells us, Knowing this, first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own uh, lusts. So these would be some of the things that would characterize the last days. This apostasy sign, the falling away. Okay, so what is the answer uh, to all of this? Well, let's go back to our text. Notice there in verse 11, we are told, If anyone speaks... Let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so what's the solution? Well, preach the word. Dare to be different. Yield your lives completely to Jesus Christ for his glory. Let me ask you these questions. Are you right with him? Are you prepared if Jesus should come back uh, today at this very moment? And then also, I think just as equally important, are you anxious to uh, see him? Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, for this instruction on how we ought to live as we approach the second coming, our blessed hope of Jesus coming back uh, for his church coming back to this world who establishes his kingdom. Father, we uh, thank you. Lord, help us not to be sleeping. Lord, help us to be awakened spiritually to spiritual things. Lord, help us not to be uh, succumb to the deceptions and the wiles of the, uh, the devil. Help us to see those things for what they really uh, are. God, we thank you. We have such a great hope. Lord, uh, we have such a great future ahead of us. So, Lord... Uh, We pray that we wouldn't allow anything to come and uh, would stop us from uh, receiving all that you have uh, for us. God, we thank you. Uh, Bless now, and we thank you, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of In My Father's House as we study the book of 1 Peter together with Pastor Mike. It's no secret that faith can be just plain hard, especially in a world that tries to pull you in so many different directions. The Apostle Peter understood this, and so he wrote to remind believers 
to remain steadfast in their faith. God is faithful to meet you right where you're at, so lean into Him and trust in who He is. If you'd like to hear today's message again, just visit harvestnyc.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching for In My Father's House with Mike Finizio. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us at Harvest Christian Fellowship. Find directions, service times, and more information on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. And if you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. We love seeing how God is using His Word in incredibly powerful ways. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. We're so glad you were able to spend this past half hour with us. Join us again for more from this verse-by-verse study in the book of 1 Peter next time, right here on In My Father's House. Oh